You are tuned in to the Jackson Hole Connection, sharing fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. I'm grateful for each of you tuning in today, and support for this podcast comes from the Jackson Hole Historical Society and Museum, connecting people to local history by sharing artifacts and ideas to foster curiosity and continual learning, forge connections, and inform our 21st century dialogue. Learn more at jacksonholehistory.org. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, bringing the Jackson Hole community residential and commercial food waste composting options. Call 307-733-7678 for more information. Thank you for tuning in today and participating in this podcast. For me, I enjoy learning from others and sharing what I learn from other people. And so I have a quote for you today. And today's quote is, you make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. And that is from Winston Churchill. And today on episode number 205, I have the pleasure to interview one of the few folks living in town who was born and raised here. That person is Willie Brooks. Although Willie is not his given name, it is the name we all know and cherish Herbert by. Willie learned at an early age the importance of hard work and being involved in his community. Now a business owner while carrying a full-time job at the Center for the Arts and committing many hours a month to the travel and tourism board, Willie is living a life of leadership and showing other people by example of how to be involved in the community. Willie shares with us his viewpoint of life while growing up here in Jackson Hole. It is a unique one and every community is different today compared to yesterday. How we participate in our communities will determine the health of our communities. Willie has been a strong member of this community since childhood, the place that we call Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I know you will enjoy listening to Willie today, and it will provide you an opportunity to reflect on how you can be a community contributor wherever you live and how you can teach the next generation to give back to their community as well. Willie, thank you for taking time out and welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection and look forward to having some insightful conversation with you today. Yeah, thanks, Stefan. Really appreciate you having me here. You're, you're welcome. Yeah. Willie, let's start off with you connecting the dots to this place where we call home Jackson Hole, the place that we love. And where did your life start off? And how did you land out here in Jackson Hole? How long have you been out here? Well, I was really fortunate in the sense that I didn't really make the choice to make it here. I was, I was birthed here. And so thanks to my mom and dad, I kind of just came to the universe here. So that, well, if I had like a John's hospital, 
if I had bells or, you know, buzzers to ring, I'd do that for you because you're one of the few people that I, I interviewed that was born here. Yeah. When did life start for you here in, at St. John's Hospital in Teton County? In 1987. And yeah, so I guess we can ring the bells and blow the whistles for my mom because uh, I know that a lot of mothers out there birthing humans is quite the quite the task so thanks <laughs> thanks mom and dad for making it happen here for me so that's right pretty, pretty happy about that so yeah i was born in 1987 february 8th st john's hospital and it's funny because the doctor that actually was my mom's OBGYN just passed away like this year and it was wild. So many people turned down for his memorial service, but just like talking to people like during that happening this summer of like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I'm sure you were in there and had your kid with this doc. And I can't remember his name, but my mom, I remember just like growing up, my mom being like, hey, there's your doctor that, you know, basically birthed you. And that was, you know, I mean, there was like, I don't know, maybe a couple babies a week being born back then. But I know that like, it was probably like my mom still talks about how beautiful the room was that like they got to be in like post birth. And I've heard that from so many other moms. And I know that like the hospital had that wing where it just like outlooks over the elk refuge and is like a really pretty pristine and very privileged place obviously to pop into the world so yeah it is both of my children have been were born here and oh cool we felt we feel quite blessed to awesome. be yeah. raising children here what brought your parents out here how long have they been out here um my dad's been out here since the 70s and so is my mom my dad tells this story that like the they were all kind of sitting around and they're watching their draft numbers come up, I believe in the Vietnam War or the American War, however you want to call it. But uh, his number got pulled like very last. And so him likely being drafted was very low. And then him and his friends that were also very low on the poll basically we're like, well, we should go out west and go skiing. And he says that they had a map and just covered their eyes and pointed onto the map. And we're like, oh, it looks like we're close to this place and came out here to Jackson. I don't know if that's actually how it happened, but it's a pretty <laughs> romantic story. And then my mom came out with my dad's little sister because they went to college together. Hmm. And one summer, my aunt was like, Hey, I'm going out to Jackson Hole. Like, it's a really cool place. My brother lives there. I've been out before. Y'all should come out. Kind of similar to how you hear it's still happening with friends from wherever. And my aunt showed up to my dad's tiny, tiny little shack of a house with four girls in tow from the East Coast. And my dad was under the impression that he just had his little sister staying with him for the summer. And here's five ladies about to crash on his floor. And here's just like, so then that's how they met. And a couple of years down the line, I, they were together and that was kind of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Your aunt probably exponentially grew the female population back then in the seventies yeah. <laughs> by yeah. one carload. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they and, definitely speak of that for sure. And for you, do you have siblings? I do. I have a younger brother. Huh? Who I'm lucky that he's in town as well and he's my best friend. And, you know, we run on the same circles. And so I'm pretty lucky that we both get to be back here and make it work here. So, yeah. That's, that's fabulous. I cert- I got to see my brother very recently and I know what it's like to be close to your brother. It's, yeah. He's the reason I moved out here was my brother. I've cool. said that several that's times awesome. on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So what was it like for you to grow up here in, in Jack? Or, I mean, your main big part of your childhood was in the nineties. I mean, child of the nineties, some good yeah. metal bands yeah totally tapes cds just coming out absolutely yeah (laughs) you know i mean like it was a very sheltered life and i i mean i honestly just i and this is going to sound extremely ridiculous but i just kind of assumed that everyone lived a life like we lived here which is obviously very not true and very white boy privileged but it was like i mean it was amazing like i had like the best possible probably upbringing that i could even think of you know like we would go cross-country skiing in fourth grade and also listen to no doubt on cd on somebody's cd player at lunch you know like we would go out to teton science school and listen to the elk bugling but then for my 11th birthday, my parents took me to my first major concert of my life when I was in sixth grade to a Rolling Stones concert in Salt Lake. I had probably the best upbringing anyone can ever have, you know, when it comes to being in nature and just skiing on the weekends. I was really lucky. My dad worked at the mountain resort for over 40 years. And so we had ski passes, you know, up until I was 18. And he always says, like, if I didn't work in the ski industry, you wouldn't have grown up skiing, which, you know, I totally believe because everybody knows how pricey it is to be a skier or be, you know, going to a resort every weekend. But yeah, it was like probably the best possible upbringing I could have just biking around, having fun with friends and being on the river or being in the mountains camping and doing anything like that. It was pretty amazing. So, yeah. Would your parents in the summer just let you and some friends go out camping? My dad at a very young age got us involved in the scouts. And I know this sounds crazy, but like in the eighties and nineties, like there wasn't a lot of money here. And like my dad and man, and like I hear other friends, parents talk about just like how, hard it was like make it here because like the tourism industry wasn't there like i know this is going to sound crazy but like teton village wasn't a thing in the summertime until i was probably like in an an adult and so like people you know there was the resort the school district and the hospital and i know that those things are still very prevalent to the community but like you know it was a lot, there wasn't a lot of money here back then. And so like my parents, my dad was like, well, like the scouts are a great way to like get you guys out. And so we would go camping, you know, with them. I'd go camping with friends. I'd go camping with my parents and 
it wasn't until later, probably in my high school years that like, I was really allowed to go like out camping on my own, just because everybody knows what happens on high school camping trips, hmm. you know, but yeah, like just being out in the summer, I mean, we would go camping in the winter time too. And it was just, yeah, it was a great time. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned about how in the eighties and nineties, and there wasn't as much money here. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, especially people that are new or are just now following Jackson in the past few years, they think, you know, they just see Jackson as right now. Mm -hmm. So, but even with you saying, you know, Hey, you assumed everybody had a life like you did. It was in a way, you know, somewhat of a white privilege living here, but that's even with there not being much money here. I mean, it was a, a poor community. Um, mm -hmm. It wasn't, yeah, it was not a very wealthy community. Like you said, it was, it was the resort, it was the hospital, the school district, and and then also the federal government. Think about before the resort was started. You didn't even oh. have that in the wintertime. Exactly. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't even know what it was like. Well, yeah, 1964, I think, Paul McAllister put in the tram and like really started the resort. And so, yeah, like it was ranch land, you know, it's pretty loud. How far did you go into the scouts? How far did you make it in there? I got my Eagle Scout. Nice. I think I was 15 and a lot of that came from because my, my parents pushed me really hard to get it. And I mean, my dad even said like, sorry, like you're not getting a car until, or you're not allowed to drive until you get this, which looking back on, like, I really appreciate like that discipline. Like I'm sure in the moment I was like very upset with my dad, you know? <laughs> um but yeah you know it was i had a lot of help along the way to get that and a lot of my friends that were also in scouts also achieved that and i think like a lot of that was because of the community around them um and we were like a small scout troop you know and everybody worked hard on doing what they were doing to get the requirements done that they needed to do it but it is like a I know it's a very controversial thing now, the scouts, and in some ways, like pretty excited to see that, like that program still lives on, especially with like allowing anybody into it. And I know that there's been a lot of turmoil and controversy surrounding that, but it really should be a thing for everybody, I think. So what was your scouting project for Eagle to get your Eagle a scout? So there was a guy, his first name was Levi, and I can't remember his last name. But back before the Jackson food cupboard was a, was really a thing there, he had put up some shelving units in the basement of St. John's Episcopal church. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like this thing, like we always did like scouting for food every November and all of the food that was collected there would just like go and sit on the shelves. And then like folks at browsing by like it was like a very disjointed kind of method of like if somebody needed some food they would go to browsing by and browse like a worker from browsing by would just like kind of go down and like grab a couple of cans and off these shelves that this guy levi built and give them to whoever so my project was basically enclosing and kind of really taking the food covered to the next level of like putting in walls and a door 
and actually like establishing a place that like people could come to and get food from on like a regular basis. And like my mom always is like, oh, well, like you should say that you founded the food cupboard. And I don't really look at it like that. Like it was more like it was just like a piece to the puzzle because like then what was called Community Resource Center at the time eventually like took it on and there's a food bank board and everything or food cupboard board and everything, which is now under 122, which does a really great job at every like running that and running all the programs that they run in the community. But so basically, you know, I was a part of kind of starting and getting the food cupboard to where it is today. And, and remind folks how old you were when you when you helped build the place when you took it from just shelves being someplace to building the walls, the door and et cetera. How old were you? Yeah, I I think I was like 14. And so we fundraised and there was a really great guy named Bill Weiss who passed away just recently and his family is still in town. And he just through like being a part of the community when it was smaller, you know, like I just knew him and he donated I, I don't I can't remember how big the check was that he donated, but he wrote like a pretty sizable check. And then the guys over at Jackson Lumber, the Clark brothers donated a bunch of materials. And, you know, there were, I mean, there were so many people that worked on it. Like I, like, you know, my dad's a builder. And so my dad and my uncle, and then like a bunch of friends and other scouts helped. Like, I don't know, we put in like, a bunch of hours into basically framing walls and putting hanging sheetrock and things and getting building inspections. And it was just like a really interesting process as like a 14 year old kid that I just didn't know existed. Like I thought that you just got to like slap up some walls and call it good. But you know, like we had to have like, you know, fire marshals come in and everything to make sure that sprinklers worked and whatever. And I'll never, I like, I'll never forget like the day that we hung this Dutch door that splits in half so that like the top half could be open and people could walk up and like, you know, basically say like, oh, this is what I want. And like, you're like, okay, cool. Like there's three people in here right now. Like once somebody leaves, you can come in and kind of shop around. But like I hung that door with Willie Wattsbaugh, who's the moon fire chief and his son, Robert, you know? So like just things like that, like it was a pretty cool experience and also just very lucky that I get to have that experience too. Well, thank you for being so important in raising the bar for the food cupboard here in town and look at where it's gone, gone now. So, you know, let's talk about where you are today. You are the events operations director at center for the arts and you're a partner with several other people at roots kitchen and cannery. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Started at the center part-time in kind of 2014 and just, I don't know, was kind of just looking for something a little bit more, I guess some people would say grown up. Hmm. Um, And I don't know if like that was just kind of like where I was in my life of like, okay, like it'd be great to start to like a new chapter versus just like working seasonal jobs, which there's nothing wrong with working seasonal jobs. I really loved working the seasonal jobs that I got to work. But yeah, it was just like looking to start something new and came on part-time here as the house manager and 
I've seen it just kind of go from, you know, I think when we, when I started, we were doing maybe like a hundred to 150 events a year. And now we have like active days on the campus when it comes to events, like well over like 200, 250. But there's been a lot of people that like have gotten it to that point. You know, Martha Bancroft was the executive director when I started here and she, you know, really pushed the vision along with the board as well. And guy named Mike Dowdo was here and he worked really hard to like make everything work here. You know, it, it's a really small team. It's always been a small team to like operate an entire city block worth of a building as well as work with the partners that are the residents and the nonprofits in the community to work, to produce events and do their our own programming and everything. And so, yeah, it's pretty exciting to like even see where it's gone, like through the pandemic. And now with our uh, executive director, Marty Camino, who's like really, you know, took us through the pandemic into now, like it's pretty wild to like see it because there were so many venues that shut down and didn't reopen. And we're just really lucky that, you know, the community supported what this is in the residence and the mission and like the outdoor space and to get it to where it is post pandemic it really feels like we're back to where we were and doing more than we were before the pandemic so it's kind of wild it, it is wild and, and when you think about the number of days to to do 200 to 250 events a year that's just massive when you think about how many days of the week there are. I mean, there's 365 days and you start taking out holidays and weekends. And I mean, but weekends are probably your bigger times to do things anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The team like from, you know, and we're our organization that is just the center, you know, is responsible for just making sure that the building is open and that the sidewalks are shoveled or the lawn is cut or the sprinklers are shut off appropriately or the roof doesn't fall in and then on top of that we're in charge of helping everybody else out and do what they do here but then you know there's all the residents that have their own staffs all the way down from like one person staffs to you know 20 person staffs as well and it's we're lucky that the community supports it to the level that they do every single resident in here because it really takes, it's pretty wild what it takes to do everything. Like we're, we are starting a new roofing project today just because this is, I know that a lot of people don't really look up when they come into the building, but like there's, yeah, I mean, it's snow laid on a big building like this really causes some major issues. No, I bet. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, Willie, we need to get a break to get a word from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to be right back. Perfect. Sounds great. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more, which will help us aim for zero waste. 
For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov recycle and join today. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is announcing this year's Christmas tree drop-off. And I dropped off my Christmas tree yesterday. Live Christmas trees can be dropped off at the Teton County Fairgrounds, which is where I dropped off my tree, for residents only, or at the trash transfer station at no cost until January 31st. Please, all trees must be delivered undecorated. That means pull that tinsel off, as these trees are going to be composted. So anything that's not natural compromises the composting of the tree. Thank you for keeping all of those non-compostable materials out of the landfill by removing them from your tree. For more information, visit tetoncountywy.gov recycle. Willie, welcome back. Thank you for the, your time right now. And I'm enjoying speaking with you as a committed member of our community. And I forgot to ask you a question. Is Willie your given name? No. Well, it was given to me by my mom. But my legal name is Herbert Euclid Brooks the Fourth. But so my because my dad got to give me my legal name, my mom said, well, I'm going to give him the name that everybody calls him. So she, I don't know why she landed on Willie. Uh-huh. I think, well, my uncle is Bill and he goes by Billy, which I guess is short for William. So that, you know, it probably could have come out of that. So, but yeah, that's. Mom's that's given so the, much to be thankful for. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah my mom is a, <laughs> yeah, my mom's a pretty great lady. So, yeah. and. Does your mom still live here? Yeah, my, I'm really lucky. My parents both are still here in the house that I grew up in. That my dad and her built back, I think, in 1988, 1989. And yeah, so they're still here. They always talk about how, like, one summer you would go build Bruce's house, and then the next summer you'd go build Steve's house. And then, like, it was just, like, this rotating thing because, like, yeah, you could work in the winter at the resort a little bit or work in the summer as like, I don't know, at least he's. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like they just kind of did this like revolving door of like building each other's houses, which mm. is kind of a thing that I still wish existed a little bit. But yeah, yeah that'd be that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and and tell me about Roots Kitchen and Cannery. What's what's that about? Yeah, well. So I grew up with one of my good friends from growing up, a guy named Orion Bellarado, who would be another great interview for you guys, Stefan. He, so his dad and my dad actually were roommates back in the seventies and our moms were in like birthing class together Hmm. and he, you know, like we were just always buddies growing up and in the same class. And when I moved back here, I was just like looking for some summertime, part-time work. And he, for the longest time, had a pie stand on the farmer's market, at the town square on the farmer's market Mm -hmm. and at the people's market that he was also super involved in starting with slow food in the Tetons. And I just kind of started making pies with him part-time one summer and 
and was like, Hey, there's, there seems to be a little bit more here. And he was like, well, you know, we're trying to launch this cannery. And so I just kind of bought in and jumped in to help push things. And there were a number of years where we just worked our butts off and it was, you know, we put everything back into the business and didn't get paid. And, and then finally we started to pay ourselves a little bit and we opened up our cannery up in Bozeman with another partner, a guy named Patrick Burr, who runs our facility up there. And there was a, a guy named Bo Baldock who was kind of early steps in the business. And then he kind of moved on and then I came in. And so Ryan and Bo and Patrick, you know, they were kind of just figuring things out. And then I came in and jumped in a little bit and we started figuring more things out. And now the cannery is still running gangbusters up in Bozeman and, you know, we distribute nationwide, but our whole mission there is kind of to take regionally sourced fruits and vegetables and preserve them so that they can be, you know, enjoyed in the middle of the winter time when, you know, you can't necessarily get carrots or beets from your area or fruit from the area. So yeah, it's, it's off and running. And the first year that we haven't had a stand at the farmer's market in, I don't know how many years, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, we used to be out there selling pie and quiche and pickles and jam and cookies and scones and different things that, you know, we would just get from different friends that were also makers in town and put at our stand. Like I'll never forget this one summer, like a friend of ours had found like three, five gallon buckets of chanterelle mushrooms. And we just like, we sold those at the farmer's market because he was like a fungonologist and like, we were able to say like, yeah, this is actually what it is. And our friends at the health department like showed up and we're just like, what is this? And we were like, no, 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 we, we swear we're good. Like, uh, uh, yeah, just, uh, but yeah, it's the first summer that we haven't had a booth at the farmer's market in, I don't know, since 2006, maybe 2005. I've, I've enjoyed some of those pies and quiches before and awesome. the other baked goods and, yeah. and they are bomber. I mean, it is yeah. delicious. Yeah. 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 But congratulations yeah. that you guys have grown to the point where you have, you don't need to be there anymore. Yeah. That's, that's just how a business grows and, and morphs. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. I don't know if it's that we, we, I mean, there's certain things that have to just like kind of go by the wayside when you get older. And it was just like, it was a lot. Like, I know there's been a lot of people that have made pies for the business and worked Saturday farmers markets. I don't know how many people, friends that we've had, but they know, like, I mean, that process starts on like a Tuesday and you end on Saturday at like three o'clock in the afternoon. And on top of like having full-time jobs and everything, everybody was just like, wow, this is a lot. And, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, so it was, it was kind of bittersweet to see it go away, but has definitely made the summer a little bit less stressful and about enjoyable. So, yeah. Hey, Willie, tell me about your thoughts on being involved in the community. I know that you're on the travel and tourism board, 
which is a volunteer position. But even being at the Center for the Arts, that runs with people who are willing to give their time. And you being an Eagle Scout, you certainly gave your time. What's what's your view on on that and and how that helps individuals, but also helps the community? Yeah, I'm not saying that like people have to like go out and offer up something to like be a real member of the community here. I know that it's like, like winters can get long and this past winter was probably one of the longest winters I've ever experienced here just because like, I I think there's like a number of components that come out of that with lack of snow and it just rained late into the season and snowed late into the season. And, you know, they can just get dark and kind of gloomy and to like, take care of yourself, you know, it, if somebody's just moving here or even if you've lived here for 20 years, you know, like the community really takes care of its community members, whether that's, you know, I've seen people that have broken their backs and there's fundraisers for them or things like that. But like I have found for myself, if you are out and like volunteering, like even if it's an hour a month or an hour a week or whatever, you know, like just like having like plugging yourself into a sense of community and talking to somebody that is, you know, 40 years older than you or 40 years younger than you for that much. Like it really has helped me and just like my mental state, you know, I feel like I could call up a, a number of different people and, you know, not that I am looking at doing this, but like people, if you are helping, like if you or out helping in the community, like the community is really there for you in a sense, you know, like we had the million pound party here last night at the center for the arts and just to like, see all the different walks of life, like come out and be involved with that. Like it was like really great, you know, cause what is the million pound party? The million pound party is an event put on by whole sleeve rescue, which is a really awesome nonprofit in town that deals with like food insecurity and you know they have a really great team and the team of volunteers and their staff is awesome but just like that's just like a little like snapshot of like you know if you just move if you just moved here or you know you've been here forever or you know you've got 40 million dollars or if you've got a hundred bucks you know like me go out and just talk to people and you know work at one of these organizations or volunteer for a board or something like that, just because like, it'll make not only like your experience in Jackson so much more meaningful, but like also like you'll learn like just so much about other people and like how, how to be in this community, because I think it's really important. Like there is a certain way of being in this community. It's a tough place to live. You go off the road, you need to get pulled out. You know, you can't pull yourself out without a car. You're going to have to rely on somebody else to help you out. And so if, you know, I'm not saying that like you need to go out and like do your part to like be a part of the community, but like if you put yourself out there, which I know is really is a very difficult thing to do, like it's crazy, you know, putting yourself there out there is like a big thing to do. But if you just show up and like help out, like. Yeah, it might be, you might be in an uncomfortable situation from time to time, but like, it'll probably just make your time being in Jackson a lot better. I think that's with long winded. (laughs) 
it's very i appreciate it uh it's it's your perspective and and i agree with you when you're out in the community then you feel like you're part of the community and the community is going to be there for you and i think that's any community totally um here it is different because of our winters are longer and you know that you've met other people you've expanded your circle of who you know and and like you said you could be doing volunteering with somebody who worth 40 million dollars and somebody's got 100 bucks in their pocket and that's yeah. all they have you just don't know but yeah. that's not important it's what you're doing it's yeah. the action of volunteering so yeah i've got this joke with my girlfriend that's like because we have here at the center we support so many missions and so many causes and she's always just kind of like gosh is there a cause that you could like that you don't care about and i'm just like oh I, you know it just kind of comes with the territory but you know, like you do have to kind of just, you got to care about everybody. And I know that the pandemic really sectioned people off because we had to, and it's hard to come back from that and like be in the community. But, or it, you know, after that, it's, it was just a difficult thing to get back out and like really be together. So yeah, it is, you know, I'm sure it's, I mean, it's very the same for other communities too. Oh, yeah. You see somebody, say hi. I don't know. Yeah. Looking <laughs> you know, down the street, say hello. People, like, yeah. So. They're people just like you, you and me. Yeah. And, yeah. I, yeah. I thank you for saying that. You have to care about other people. Yeah. That's very kind and gracious of you to say that and to share and keep keep teaching that to other people, Willie. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. I mean, it's an easy thing for me to say, you know, we're here. You know, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in the world right now, but it's making it the way it is. So pretty lucky that I get to just be that way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So if people want to reach out and connect with you, learn more about how you could help direct them to volunteering in the community or learn about roots, how to find that. How can people connect with you, Willie? I mean, email is super easy, but like if you're looking for something that you like want to volunteer for, like, I would just say like, what are you passionate about? And there's probably something in this community mm. that's going to align with that. And the community foundation, you know, has a list bills is going on right now. There's a list of a million nonprofits that you, I mean, if like hockey, you can volunteer for youth hockey, you know, I'm sure like somehow, I don't know how, but like coach just connect. Yeah. Connect with like the, or an organization that you're, that you align with because you're going to have a lot more fun while you're doing it. But yeah, you know, I mean, just if you want to reach out via email to me, please feel free to, but there's so many resources in our community when it comes to the community foundation or anything else that really you can connect with and get tied in with an organization to help out with or whatever. What's so, your email, Willie, that you want people to use? Let's not use my work email. Let's use Herbert biv at gmail.com and that's probably the only email that i've ever really or every time that i've ever used that legal name outside of i love that email fax documents <laughs> herbert biv gmail.com herbert b the fourth yeah. that's awesome well you're the only one that has that so good for yeah. you <laughs> yeah i don't know so, well it. i'll let you get back to your day because you have plenty to do with all the events that are happening there at the Center for the Arts. Thank you for keeping that place vibrant, being a part of that, yeah. and volunteering at the Travel and Tourism Board. I've thoroughly enjoyed having a conversation 
with you today. And Likewise, Stefan. Yeah, you're welcome. I know it's super cheesy, but it takes a village. It, it does. Yeah. And it takes a bunch of people to make up that village, doesn't it? Totally. Yeah. So, I'll take care. Thanks, Willie. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. Be well. Bye. To learn more about Willie B and his community work, visit the jacksonholeconnection.com episode number 205. Thank you all for tuning in today. Get out there and share this podcast. You can share it via social media, texting it to folks. Thank you to Michael Morey, who's been editing and producing these podcasts since day one. And of course, to my wife, Laura, and my boys, Lewis and William, who give me everlasting support. Who hugs and kisses and smiles and funnies. Right now, Lewis is reading Garfield and William is seeing William pick up on what Garfield's humor is, is quite fun to see. I appreciate you sharing your time with me today and cheers till next week when I see you right back here for another episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.